0: Welcome to Imagine That, your host is Dr. Miriam Franco. Today we'll discover the power of imagination to relax and discuss many of the ways it can help solve problems, improve your health and more. Imagination is a healthy, powerful tool that when applied to a concern becomes a powerful ally that we can all benefit from. Now, here is Dr. Miriam Franco.
1: Welcome to Imagine That. I'm Dr. Miriam Franco, your host. As a psychologist and a guided imagery specialist, I have witnessed the power of our imagination to help us reduce pain, let go of stress, prepare for challenging life events, and improve our health and coping. As Albert Einstein said, first we imagine it, then we create it. Each week on Imagine That, I interview healthcare professionals, wellness experts, teachers, artists, and community leaders who apply innovative ways to use the power of the imagination to relax, cope, perform, and learn. Today we explore how to stress less with MS or multiple sclerosis and other autoimmune disorders. Coping with a chronic illness like MS poses lifelong challenges and adjustments, and the uncertainty of the prognosis and the disease course causes those who have it to constantly have to learn ways to adapt, stay resilient, and manage high levels of stress or anxiety. My guest today, Yvette Briscoe, is a multiple sclerosis advocate and a certified health coach specialing in autoimmune conditions. She is the founder of Fight for a Cure for MS and both educates the public and helps to raise funds for research and services for people living with MS. Yvette has also developed a successful podcast series called Beyond Surviving to Thriving, Look Better, Feel Better, Be Better by Kicking MS and Other Autoimmunity in the Butt. Her background in teaching, Her MS degree in psychology, along with her experience of coping with MS as a working mother, makes her an excellent resource to explore how one can imaginatively empower themselves to take steps to manage their health and achieve goals. As a psychologist and MS specialist, I am personally very grateful to you, Yvette, for joining us today as a guest on Imagine That. Not only is your story inspiring to others, there is much one can do to reduce stress and worry about living with MS. And I know you're as eager as I am to discuss and share this. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Oh, my pleasure. Yvette, some of our listeners may be living with MS or another autoimmune disorder, or perhaps they know someone with MS Or maybe they're just curious about this topic. MS is not typically a disease that many are familiar with. It's not as common as rheumatoid arthritis, a well-known autoimmune disorder. And MS affects about one million Americans. As a result, there are often a lot of stereotypes about having the disease. Uh, For example, typically people think if you have MS, you automatically end up in a wheelchair. Now, certainly some people do, but there are many different kinds of MS. And just like no two snowflakes are alike, no two people with MS are alike. MS, though, is an autoimmune disease that people live with throughout their life course once they're diagnosed. So because it's different, no two people are alike. It's something you have to adapt to for a long time in your life this causes a lot of anxiety and uncertainty and it's hard to plan predict and prepare so my first question for you is once you were ready to start to tell other people about ms how did you explain it to them and what kinds of stereotypes or stigma perhaps did you experience well, that's a great
2: question. Um, initially, when I was diagnosed and I tried to explain to people what it was, I would give them, well, you know, it's a disease of the central nervous system explanation, and um, you, you kind of see people's eyes glaze over, and uh-huh. you know that they're not understanding what you're saying, or it's not uh, impactful enough for them to get a mental picture of what this looks like for you. And so then I had to learn to describe it in other terms. So I typically use the power cord uh, analogy to help people understand what I'm talking about. So everybody has had their experiences with power cords, um, whether they're plugged into a computer or some other type of electronic equipment that they are using. And so what I explained to them is that if you have a power cord, your purpose in plugging it in is to get the juice, to get the power from the, the source, which is in the wall, to the computer, where the computer can function and do the things that you're commanding it to do. And that's what we have in our brain. So our brain is the power source. And the nerves, that's the power cord, right? Mm -hmm. And so our power cords are covered with this rubber insulation that protects the wires inside. And that rubber insulation, that's what we call our myelin sheath. Now inside, those copper wires that um, help the signal, help the power be conducted to the machine, the equipment, the computer that you're trying to power, those are our actual nerves. And when the rubber that covers it, that insulation is damaged, you can sometimes see sparks, the signal, the power doesn't go the right way, right? Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't necessarily get to the destination or when it does, it doesn't power it correctly. And that's what happens in our brain. So when I give that explanation and people can actually see a picture in their mind of how the power is moving from the wall to the computer, then they get a better understanding of what's happening in the disease process. And then I have to explain to them about all of the symptoms. And um, with that, it's, you know, painting a picture again, because we understand things better if you can have a picture to look at, to associate things with, of what it is. So if I'm going to talk to somebody about, You know, numbness, I'm not going to just say there's numbness. I'm going to say, you know, it feels like a bunch of pinpricks in the bottom of your foot or you know something else that's a little graphic in the description so that they get a better understanding of what it is to live with this disease, or if, as much
1: as is possible when you don't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think, uh, I think that's a great way of describing it. I may borrow it from you. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think also um, people are sometimes shocked to learn that the most common symptom of MS is fatigue, bone-wearying fatigue, or even mental fatigue. And I think people always just assume it always involves a problem with walking or gait problem, which it can for many people, but not all people have that symptom of MS. Absolutely. And
2: what we are finding is that, you know, anywhere from 80 to 90% of people living with MS experience this fatigue. And, you know, it was one of the symptoms that um, just really was noticeable from the very beginning it was um, one of the things that just sort of you know when you have that feeling where you have slept all night and it wasn't a peaceful sleep but you did get some sleep and you wake up in the morning and you are so tired that lifting your head off the pillow just seems like too much effort that's what I would feel and it was like, man, and, you know, you, ha- you need to go to the restroom because you just woke up. And it's like, really, how am I going to drag myself, right, to no. the restroom to relieve myself? Because that just is going to require too much energy. So when you, you put it in terms like that, functions that that people normally experience and how challenging it can be, some of the descriptions that I like to use um, when you're experiencing fatigue is it's like you're, you're walking in um, cement and the cement has already started to dry and you have this heavy anvil on your head that you're carrying with you
1: as you're walking through this drying cement. That's another one I'm going to borrow from you. <laughs> uh, research shows that um, couples where one member has a mess, the most frustrating issue in sharing uh, uh, information about their MS is how to convey what the fatigue is like to their partner. Because, you know, there's 23 different words for fatigue, and there's really a certain kind of way the fatigue is experienced, as you described so well. So, well, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that that a lot of times, and and
2: I experienced this early on, which is why I had to um, find a different way to describe it, is I would say something like, I'm exhausted, right? And somebody would say, oh, yeah, I'm tired, too. And I would think to myself, no, I'm not tired. Because when you're tired, you go to sleep. You take a nap or you sleep over the night, and you wake Mm -hmm. up, you're refreshed, and you get up and you go. That's what tired is. Tired gets fixed with a nap or a little bit of sleep. Fatigue does not. And so I had to find a way to describe it differently so that people – could get a better understanding of what I was saying because that that's one of the uh, places where stigma is attached. Oh, she's just being lazy. No, she's not lazy. She's fatigued.
1: I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So um, as you know, so well, Yvette, there's first, there's a cycle of survival rather than learning how to live with the disease that occurs with a chronic illness like MS. It takes time to take in and adjust to the diagnosis. In fact, Health professionals refer to the early diagnosed in MS as people living with the disease for at least two to three years. So in the first phase of adjustment, there's always shock and fear. What does this mean? How fast will it progress? Am I taking the right medicine? All these decisions to make. Can I stand to take this medicine? How do I manage flare-ups? Who should I tell or not tell? Will I be able to work, love, have children, have a life? Then you might even shift to, how am I going to control being normal or try to pass along without anyone knowing? It's really a terribly stressful time. I'm sure you remember what this phase was like for you, and could you share it with our listeners?
2: Yes. um, Mine actually started in the hospital, so it wasn't even after I'd had it for a few days. It was... The night that they told me that that's probably what it was, that we were going to do some confirmatory testing to make sure, but they were pretty confident that it was MS. And so then, you know, I'm in my hospital bed alone at four o'clock in the morning, which was when the battery died on my Kindle. I had been watching movies and reality just sort of set in. And I was lying there thinking,
1: what am I going to do? And how am I going to do it? What no, Edette, it? I'm going to stop you there. I think that's one of the first things that hits people. Oh, my. What, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? Hold that thought. We're about to take our first commercial break. And we'll return and explore how you did manage to get through.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: De-stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download imagery work, Go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imagerywork.com. To access imagery work, go to App Store or Google Play. Your life, your
0: health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Imagine That. If you have a question or comment about our show, or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to drmefranco at yahoo.com. That's drmefranco at yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine That.
1: Welcome back to Imagine That. My guest today is Yvette Briscoe a multiple sclerosis advocate, and health and wellness coach. She's the founder of A Fight for a Cure for MS and has a successful podcast series called Beyond Surviving to Thriving with MS, Work Better, Feel Better, Be Better by Kicking Autoimmunity in the Butt. If you'd like to learn more about MS Advocacy, Yvette's podcast series, or her approach to health and wellness, you can visit her Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Briscoe. For listeners to this podcast, Yvette's offering a free gift that you can download at www.yvettebriscoe.com energetic. In our first segment today, Yvette, You were sharing with us your story about MS when you first were diagnosed and you were in the hospital at the time. And you were up in the middle of the night or early in the morning lying in bed and you told us you just started to wonder again and again, how am I going to get through this? I think that's an essential question everyone with MS faces. So tell us, Yvette, what was that like and how were you going to get through this? I really didn't know.
2: Um, You know, at that moment when I was lying there, it was just repeating in my mind over and over and over again, what am I going to do? And I would think about what I need to do. You know, I'm a single mom. How am I going to take care of my daughter? What am I going to do? And, you know, all of the things that I did in my life, all of the activities, all of the community things that I was doing, I would hear the phrase again and again and again, you have MS, what are you going to do? And so during the time that I was actually in the hospital, I didn't get any peace from that. Um, there's, you, you have to have this transition period, this acceptance. And while I was there, the acceptance didn't come. I was in shock. Yes, And I, I actually ended up leaving early because I needed to pick my daughter up For she had been on a color guard trip. And so when she got back into town, I didn't want somebody else to pick her up and tell her, your mom's in the hospital because she has this incurable disease. And so I checked myself out and had to have that conversation with her while it was still playing in my own mind. What are you going to do? And so at first I pretended. I told her it's going to be fine while in the back of my mind i'm still hearing what are you going to do and i think that if 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 someone is experiencing this whether you're the person with it or the caregiver everybody is wondering what's going to happen what are you going to do because this is a shock it's a shock
1: it and definitely you just don't know yes yeah. one of the hard things with ms for listeners who may not be aware is there isn't yet a cure there are medicines that can help delay disease course and delay um, symptoms, uh, but there is not yet a, a cure. And once diagnosed, people live with the disease lifelong. This is not necessarily a disease one gets at the very end stage of their life. So, from what I know of your life experience of it, from being a single mom, a hospital volunteer, to US soldier, to AmeriCorps fellow, you're obviously a very disciplined, committed individual. You have what we call grit. (laughs) Yet that doesn't mean that you or anyone are prepared for just what a chronic illness like MS may entail. I find that it can challenge people in many ways that they weren't looking to go or expand. And the way it stretches you happens later. Once you move out of the survival phase into learning how you're going to cope and develop fluctuating adaptations. When did you start to move out of just surviving and start to actively explore new ways of coping or just learning to adjust? And what resources helped you in the beginning? I think for me, it was actually connecting with the National MS Society
2: um, because they have a lot of resources and they have people that are, you know, Again, this is a snowflake disease, so nobody is going to have the same experience. But if somebody's truly going to understand what you're going through, it's going to be somebody who's living with the disease themselves. And so being able to talk to people who had it and who were successfully living with it, and when you say successfully living with it, it doesn't mean oh, I'm not experiencing symptoms anymore, or oh, everything is fine and my life is perfect again because it's never going to be perfect again if it ever was in the first place. But it just means that you are able to successfully navigate the symptoms and you are able to do the things that you know will help you to feel better. And that includes connecting with people.
1: asking for help. It's it's so important. And yet so many people in the beginning don't want to be around other people with MS. It scares them. Well, there's a stigma attached to it.
2: Um, there is sort of a, a misperception of what the disease is. There's a lack of understanding because people don't talk about it. So it's this cycle, right? You don't want to tell anybody about it because they're not going to understand. Well, they're not going to understand because you don't tell anybody about it. And, and so that leads to these miscommunications, misunderstandings, and things like that. And it, it closes people off. And I have found, just in my personal experience, the more I talk about it, the more people are understanding of what I'm experiencing and the more they
1: care. It's actually counterintuitive. The very thing you fear, actually, when you meet this distress and share it, it really goes better for you overall. Absolutely. Communication is so key, and we don't realize what a big part that plays in our lives, but it does. It does. So... Once you start surviving the disease, as you're describing, and reaching out to others, then the new normal begins. You start to face the unknown a little bit. There's a lot to absorb. Uh, You know, there's just, you can't avoid it. I find often at this time, one starts to question, how am I going to live with it? And what what can I control? Or what can I determine? What attitude do I want to bring to this? So what kind of attitude shift did you experience?
2: Well, one, I think it was um, learning to be more positive and accepting that it's okay for me to cut negativity out of my life. Uh-huh. Um, people who are being negative, I, I love those people, but they, I can't interact with them because I can't allow them to drain the energy that I have. Energy is a huge thing with MS, and so I need to keep all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and and so, being positive actually helps with that. And I think it's really important for for you know you to have both internal and external ways of getting that energy. So, um, connecting with people who are going to lift you up rather than tear you down is is huge. And um, and then doing something that you're passionate about, and also having a good sense of humor. Um, yes. you know, I joke, right, about everything. If I trip and fall, if I'm having balance issues, I joke about that. I struggled with joking about the cognitive issues because that I was more sensitive to. But now I can. I can joke about that too. I'll say something like, you know, if my memory gets any worse, I'll be able to plan my own surprise party. You know, and then <laughs> I, I laugh about it, right? I wasn't able to do that in the beginning because I was still in survivor mode and I was still trying to figure out how I was going to adapt, and how I was going to live. Now I can joke about just about everything that I experienced with MS, and that also puts other people at ease enough for them to want to hear my story and to understand a little bit better what I and others live with and go through.
1: Yeah, so, you know, you mentioned several important things, communicating, letting others in. Uh, in the process of letting others in, one has to like always in life, restrike a balance between dependency and independency. What was that like for you? Because I know you're, you know, a pretty, uh, you know, um, not self-contained, but a capable, adaptive, achieving individual. So, what what was it like to, you know, lean in on others? It was
2: brutal, honestly. Um, I have always prided myself on being independent and. Um, Being the person who's helping other people and who's solving a problem for other people and, you know, getting them to where they're trying to go. And so having to rely on others, that was hard. I mean, that was really hard. And knowing that there are some things that I cannot do on my own, right? There are things that you choose not to do because it's just more convenient to have somebody else do it for you. And so maybe that's a service that you connect with somebody on. But when there are things that even if you want to, you can't and you have to rely on someone else to help you with and you're not used to doing that, it hurts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hurts. It's painful. And it, knowing that, That's a change that's not a temporary change. That's a rest of your life kind of change.
1: That made it even worse. It was really hard for me. It was really hard. I can imagine. And, you know, you don't choose your illness. You only choose how to respond to it. Of course, that's easier said than done. And with MS, there's the added challenge that uh, most people with MS, it's not uncommon to have Uh, Elevated depression, it's three to four times higher with this disease, and higher levels of anxiety and just learning how to live and cope with the disease. As you and I have discussed, there are several ways to try to empower oneself here, Uh, support from others, and also using relaxation and guided imagery to center yourself, relax, and shift energy. Um, But what, you know, we have a a little time before our first commercial break. What resources or tools have helped you to better manage your stress and anxiety?
2: Well, the guided imagery is amazing because it truly takes you to another place where you're able to, um, like, both the physical and mental you're almost transported to another location where you can find a place of peace and you can center yourself.
1: And then another um, thing that I like is sort of a grounding in nature kind of thing. Yvette, excuse me, hold that image. We're going to have a commercial break and we'll come back to it.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
1: De-stress with guided imagery. I'm Dr. Franco, a relaxation and guided imagery specialist. I've designed an app, Imagery Work, to relieve stress and improve mood, coping, and performance. My sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download imagery work, Go to Apple Store or Google Play. To learn more about guided imagery, visit imagerywork.com. To access imagery work, go to App Store or Google Play.
0: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are tuned in to Imagine That... If you have a question or comment about our show, or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to drmefranco at yahoo.com. That's drmefranco at yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine That.
1: Welcome back to Imagine That. My guest today is Yvette Briscoe, a multiple sclerosis advocate, a health and wellness coach, and the producer and host of a successful podcast series entitled Beyond Surviving to Thriving with MS, Work Better, Feel Better, Be Better by Kicking MS and Other Autoimmunity in the Butt. To learn more about how to survive and thrive while coping with MS or an autoimmune disorder, check out Yvette's Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash Yvette R. For our listeners today, Yvette is offering a free gift that you can download at www.yvettebrisco.com slash energetic. In our last segment, Yvette, we were starting to talk about the power and effectiveness of relaxation and guided imagery in coping with MS and autoimmune disorders. You also mentioned that other resources you use is sometimes just being out in nature and taking a walk outside. Absolutely. Um, Grounding is huge. One
2: of the things that people don't realize is that earth has these um, energy fields. And when we connect with nature that way, we are actually able to pull energy from that. And, you know, going someplace that you can connect with whatever that is for you. So for me, I love going to Yosemite National Park, and I love sitting on top of a boulder and listening to the water rush by on the rocks. That's my Zen place. And when I can't physically go there, um, I think when you and I did the guided imagery, that was the, the image that we used um, to help me center. So where is that place for for you, for the person, the individual that's where you go but connecting walking barefoot in the grass um touching the the tree bark and the trunk and you know look touching the dirt those are all things that actually give you energy and give you peace that help you to relax and help you to de-stress because stress is huge with ms
1: yes yes also it can center you before the next challenge absolutely Because it's coming. The next challenge is always coming. That's right. That's right. Uh, we, We discussed relaxation, guided imagery, being in nature, getting grounded. All these things improve coping. And part of living with a disease like MS across a lifespan is developing what's called resilience. How do you understand resilience, Yvette, and how do you model it? So, for me, resilience is the
2: bounce-back effect. Um, It's being able to face something, to experience something, and come back to yourself. And, you know, it's almost as if um, you, you get to press the restart button. And, you know, something bad happens, and you press the restart button, and you come back to yourself. And so for me, um, being able to be centered is a huge part of resilience. Using those techniques for relaxation to de-stress, that's all part of resilience. Because if you're looking at the long-term and the longevity of a situation, knowing that we're years away from a cure, what do you do? You know, what do you do? So I can either... Um, suffer and deteriorate, right, mentally and emotionally, which is going to lead to physically, or I can choose not to. And that's what resilience is. It's, It's a choice to reset. It's a choice to bounce back. It's a choice to come to center and start that part again, renewed, right? So when I go to Yosemite, As I'm driving there, I feel the tension leaving my shoulders. When I get there, that time that I spend in meditation and connecting, that's part of my resilience toolbox. That's what gets me there. That's what allows me to press the reset button. So when the next challenge comes, you know, my battery is full. And then when I get it empty again or close to being empty, it's time to go back to what fills me up so I can set the reset button again.
1: I think that's an excellent point I find um, when I'm working with people with MS I often get asked you know a symptom came back like if they're having a relapse mm-hmm. and um, or something came back that I didn't experience and it interfered with something I wanted to do and it reminded me again that I had the disease and I just was in a really low funk and you know I had a, you know I was depressed and I said well you know I don't think that resilience means you don't ever have a low mood or that you don't have setbacks I think it has more to do with how long does it last do you allow yourself to feel these real reactions to difficult challenges can you feel the distress and then shift at some point back it may take a couple of hours it may take a day but you know, as a psychologist, I really think of an ongoing mood as something that persists, that doesn't shift or move, that, you know, the intensity and frequency is pretty set. So, I, you know, I think of resilience as also being able to feel, as you're mentioning, and reset at some mm-hmm. point. It's not, you know, living your like life like, the, it, like a lake with no ripples. That's not real right. life. Right.
2: So... I- yeah go ahead. I, I was gonna say that you know one of the analogies that I use for people um, to help explain resilience a little bit is, you know when you're twenty one years old and you go out and you party, right? And you could party all night, and the next day you just get up and you go to work or you go to class and you're still fine, and you you know you make it through. And we have pity parties when we experience things that we're not expecting or that we just don't want to experience with MS. And I still have my pity parties, but I'm older now, and I can't party all night like I did when I was a kid, you know? Yeah, so my ditto. pity parties are short now too, right? Right. I have them. I accept that I'm having it. I'm okay with feeling bad for that moment, but I refuse to feel bad for a lifetime, And so when I push through that moment and get to the other side of it, then I, exactly what we were saying, I reset and then I'm good again. But it doesn't, I don't try to not feel bad because that's not reality. And the more you block it and, and don't accept it and, you know, sort of um, allow the progression of emotions the harder it is to get to the other side of it
1: yeah we um i often use the phrase learning how to meet the distress not brace against it
2: yes that's
1: perfect i love that or or breathe through it and interact with it yeah speaking of that interacting with it do you find in your you know advocacy work but especially in your work as a wellness coach um do you find men with MS demonstrate different coping styles or strategies than women? Absolutely, absolutely. We are we are entirely different creatures.
2: And um, for for women, I think one of the reasons why it's a little bit easier for women is because we don't hold everything in, and men tend to. Men feel like you know it's not manly, it's weak to express what you're feeling about these symptoms and what you're feeling you know emotionally what you're feeling physically, all of that, right? Women don't. We're okay with sharing everything that we're feeling, everything that we're experiencing. We get with our girlfriends, we have a girls' night out, and we just let it out. And because of that, we're able to release the tension a lot better, and we also communicate a lot better than men do.
1: Yeah, I I find that as well. Yes. I think too sometimes that um, not always pressuring men to talk about feelings if it's, not something they're as quick to do or feel as adept to do or comfortable to do. Um, They may want to go out and fraternize or do an activity Mm -hmm. together and and engage in that form of social support. And gradually they may talk about something, um, but not making them feel like they have to have the same fluency with their emotions that women have can also be helpful. Right. Right especially in something like MS um, where, um, I don't know, you know, the issues of frailty or images of not uh-huh. functioning may, it, though it affects women as well, but it, it may play into certain, you know, images of masculinity that exist in the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, any quick tips that you have in your advocacy work um teaching people with MS how to advocate for themselves. You know, it's so important to empower yourself. Any tips you have regarding interacting with medical professionals? Absolutely. Do your research
2: and ask your questions. And if you don't understand something, ask it again. Because... The uh, medical professionals are used to dealing with a wide range of people who have different levels of understanding, who have different experiences, who have been at it. Somebody who's been diagnosed for a year is going to have different questions than somebody who's been diagnosed for 10. And it's okay to come with your questions written down so you don't forget them and not leave until you get them answered. Mm -hmm. Be persistent and be assertive. And don't feel bad about asking the question because the only stupid question is the one that isn't asked.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, um, some people actually bring their um, partner mm-hmm. or a family um, relation or a good friend because, you know, when you're the patient, it's hard to remember everything that's being said or going on. Absolutely. It's hard to take all of it in. You know, when you're especially like with MS, when you're waiting to hear the results of your latest MRI, you're really not listening to everything the doctor says after, you know, discussing the MRI. So I think it
2: also brings you closer with the people that you go with um, that that communication level
1: increases and just the closeness. Yes, I I agree. That's a wonderful thought. So we're going to take our next commercial break and we'll return soon.
2: us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows and your favorites that's voice america trn
1: de-stress with guided imagery i'm dr franco a relaxation and guided imagery specialist i've designed an app imagery work to relieve stress and improve mood coping and performance my sensory meditations are easy to use and promote fast, effective relief from stress in the body and anxious thinking. Imagery work includes tracks for special challenges, relieve caregiver stress, defeat dental fear, stress-free bride, coping with anxiety with multiple sclerosis, mastering test anxiety, and many wellness tracks as well. To download imagery work, go to Apple Store or Google Play To learn more about guided imagery, visit imagerywork.com. To access imagery work, go to App Store or Google Play.
0: Opinions, Options, Answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Imagine That. If you have a question or comment about our show, or would like to share a story about how your imagination has helped you, send an email to drmefranco at yahoo.com. That's drmefranco at yahoo.com. Now, back to Imagine
1: That. Welcome back to Imagine That. My guest today is Yvette Briscoe, a multiple sclerosis advocate, health and wellness coach, and host of the successful podcast series, Beyond Surviving to Thriving, Look Better, Feel Better, Be Better by Kicking Autoimmunity in the Butt. To learn more about Yvette's approach to health and wellness, and her podcast series, and The Fight for a Cure, you can visit her Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash R. Briscoe. Today, Yvette's offering a free gift to listeners at www.yvettebriscoe.com slash energetic. Yvette, in our last three segments, we've been talking about the challenges of coping with the stress of a disease, an autoimmune disease like multiple sclerosis, and what it's like to cope and adjust your coping to a disease that you live with lifelong because presently... There is no cure. I'm very taken with thinking about another image of coping that your professional photo suggests. Your photo shows you with boxing gloves on. (laughs) And when I first saw it, I thought, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, her podcast series is Beyond Surviving to Thriving with MS. You know, look better, feel better, be better by kicking autoimmunity in the butt you know boxing is a great you know metaphor for (laughs) fighting and kicking and you know uh, thriving Um, and so at first I thought this was just a metaphor you know fighting for a cure (laughs) then I realized later that you actually have a lifelong standing passion for the martial arts (laughs) and that this just wasn't a metaphor so tell us about your fight for a cure campaign And your fighting stance and and then you know how martial arts taught you about living in the world and coping with MS so um, for our fight for a cure program we actually have
2: promoters of mixed martial arts events who hold their shows as a fight for a cure and at those we take donations we sell um, raffle Tickets for prizes and then we do auctions and then that money goes to um, research and also to people it's for services for people who are living with the disease and who need it and so we try to raise both funds and awareness at those events and we go in during intermissions and talk to people we have people who are talking to, to folks who come up during the show and ask questions and we try to provide accurate information And the reason that I use that forum is because, um, like you mentioned, it has been a part of my life for a very long time. And I think that one of the things that um, mixed martial arts teaches you discipline, it teaches you some of the resiliency that we were talking about. And it also gives you sort of a, a don't give up attitude, right? And you can't be someone who gives up when you're living with a disease where there's no cure and you have it for the rest of your life. So, you know, participating in a sport that's all about um, keep, you know, being able to keep going and to really assert yourself and it is what you make of it is, is one of the things that I sort of lean on. Um, if I'm having a bad day, you know, when mm-hmm. I go for treatment. When I get done with treatment, I go to the boxing club. And if I'm feeling really good, then I train. If I'm not, I'm still around it and absorbing the other people who are training and just feeling better about myself and and my experience, even if I can't actually put the gloves on that day. Um, I think it's important for people to find that thing, that physical thing that they're passionate about and to incorporate that in their lifestyle. And we know... That movement is important in in maintaining your ability to continue and your ability to move for as long as you can, to be healthy as long as you can.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, even if it's difficult to do physical exercise, Mm -hmm. it's still very important for muscle tone and balance and for your health. Yes, yes, it is. And my choice is MMA. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, it's a wonderful form of exercise from what I understand. You also have developed a 13-week wellness program for people coping with autoimmune disorders. And one of the main focuses of this program, from what I understand, is to reduce fatigue. How is the program organized to do this?
2: So I have what I call the 4M system for fatigue relief. And um, these are four pillars that... Combined to give you just an optimal wellness opportunity if you really apply yourself in it. So, the first M is mindset, and we talked um, a lot about this in the beginning getting to where you can de stress, um, where you're putting in the pieces that allow you to relax and to be centered and to control the like cortisol hormones and things like that, and actually, your. Um, your app is part of my program. I recommend that to people to um, listen to and get good at guided imagery so that improves your um, stress levels. So that's Thank the first you. M.
1: <laughs> that's my um, imagery work Yes, app. yes, Thank that's you. in my program.
2: <laughs> Wonderful. And then the second M is meals. You have to be putting uh, nutrients, the right nutrients, the right combination in your body for your body to be positioned to heal itself as much as it can. And then m- movement is the third M. And we just talked about that, how important that is. And then the last M is magic. That's where we um, talk about things like using an acupuncturist, using essential oils and supplements and different alternative therapies that take a holistic approach to getting you to optimal health. And so we combine everything in a way that helps your body To bring up those
1: energy levels and reduce the symptoms of severe fatigue. It sounds like a wonderful program. And I understand that if folks would like to learn more about this specific program to reduce symptoms, they should visit www.autoimmuneenergyfix.com. Absolutely. Great. I want to thank you for joining us today, Yvette. It's really uh, wonderful for you to be able to share your story of living with MS and your process, advocating for yourself and others, and learning how to get connected, stay connected, practice wellness, be an advocate for yourself, how that has empowered you and helped you to stay resilient, and how it's the gift that keeps on giving and helps others with MS and other autoimmune disorders also learn how to keep coping and thriving
2: well thank you so much for inviting me and you know i really enjoy being able to share with people the journey and hopefully help them on theirs because there is hope you can be better
1: (laughs) that's right and again if you'd like to learn more about fight for a cure uh yvette briscoe's health and wellness coaching you can visit her Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash R. Briscoe. Please join us next week on Imagine That when I'll explore how to relieve caregiver stress with my guest, Alyssa Lewin, founder of Nancy's House, a caregiver respite program in the greater Philadelphia area. Remember, Einstein also said, imagination is more important than information until next time imagine that
0: thank you for taking a deeper look into your imagination with dr miriam franco Please join us for another episode of Imagine That next Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tap into your imagination this week.